this evening. We closed our last session again with uh, David's cry to the Lord. And um, he talked about in, in the morning, he would direct his, his voice to the Lord and he would look up. And um, we talked about that looking up maybe from a metaphorical standpoint, but, but what the word actually means is, is I will, I'll be a watchman. I'm going to watch. I'm going to look with hope and expectation uh, for there to be uh, either change in my situation or whatever the circumstance is. Amen. So, has anybody been doing any praying and watching this week? Praying and watching. Praying and looking. Looking for that change. Amen. And um, it doesn't happen without prayer. We certainly have got to be people of, of prayer and uh, the more you, uh, more you you pray, the more I believe that we can anticipate from the Lord. The more our faith is is activated, and and uh, uh, with the way things are are going now, I was listening to a, a podcast uh, this week, and the guy who was preaching was not an apostolic preacher, but. He, he made some very strong statements and, um, you know, talking about uh, the day that we live now. And, and he said, if there's, if there's ever a time that you, that you need to pray like you've never prayed, um, we're in that time. Amen. And he said, if there's ever a time that you were in the word of the Lord like you've never been, we're, we're in that time. And um, he said, "You need to, you need to turn off your media. You need to turn off Fox News." He said, "They're not telling you anything that you don't already know. You know, Amen. sin abounds." Amen. And um, he said, "I'm not saying you don't, you don't need to know what's happening, but it don't take you but about ten minutes a day, really, to find out that nothing has changed in this world." Amen. And and put your time in the things of the kingdom of God. Praise God. So after David talks about uh, praying and looking or watching with hope and expectation, uh, the next paragraph that uh, that uh, is recorded in Psalm chapter 5 and 4 through 6, and that's what we're going to look at this evening. And he says here, uh, he uses in verse number 4, he uses the word for. And the for is there because of what David has already stated. He said, I will, I will direct my 
my prayer to you in the morning and I will look up for or because of the fact that you are not a God that has pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with you. The foolish, in verse number 5, the foolish shall not stand in your sight. You hate all the workers of iniquity, and you shall destroy them that speak leasing. The Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. And so... Again, the conclusion of the previous lesson found David praying to God that his voice would be directed to God in the morning and David would expect a change in his circumstances. And as was also noted is the fact that David's prayer should be characteristic to the prayers of the people of God. Because again, I I will ask the question that has already been asked. If you're not going to have hope and an expectation, then why spend the time praying? Amen. You need to have a hope and you need to have an expectation that God is going to do something in our circumstance. So David tells God... That he will set his prayers before him and watch for the reasons that are enumerated in the text that we read. David states these reasons as things in which God does not delight. Now, it kind of bothers me. You know, when somebody tells me what I like and what I don't like. Because you might not know what I like. And you might not know what I don't, what I dislike. But yet here we we find David in his prayer to God, telling God what he does not like. And... And he, he, he does this uh, for, for a reason that we'll, we'll talk about here shortly. But the reasons uh, that, that David states here that, uh, that, that God does not take delight in. Uh, number one, he said wickedness does not please God. And that in the first part of verse number four. He said, "Wicked, wickedness. You're you you you're not a god who takes pleasure in wickedness." And then the next thing he says is that no evil dwells with God. In the latter part of verse number four. Then he said, "Those who boast do not stand before Him." Verse number five, first part. The last part of verse five: God hates all who work iniquity. And then verse number six, the first part, liars will be destroyed by God. 
And then the latter part of that verse, he said, God hates those who shed blood and deceive others. So David again tells God that he will set his prayers before him and watch. And the reasons that God, that David is going to pray and watch is because wickedness does not please God. And no evil dwells with God. Those who boast do not stand before God. And God hates all who work iniquity. And liars is going to be destroyed by God. And God hates those who shed blood and, and deceive others. So, so whether the evil people specified here are the enemies of David kind of remains uncertain. In fact, it could be that David's reflection on such evildoers is part of his own self-examination as he comes into the presence of God. So there, there could be two different approaches here and both of them could certainly be applicable to, uh, to David's circumstances here. He, he could be talking about Absalom. And all of those who are aligning themselves with Absalom in the rebellion, uh, because as we saw in our our last session, the the the, the rebellion uh, was was growing, and it was getting stronger. Uh, but but also, it it could be David's self reflection as he comes into the presence of God. In prayer, and and so uh, and so he knows. David knows the nature of God and its implications for evil, and he examines himself as he brings his prayer to God. Now, whether David's talking about evil people or talking about himself, I I would just say this. It's always a good thing to examine yourself as you approach the presence of God. Amen. Amen. The writer of the book of Hebrews said to come boldly to the throne of grace. But he, he does not mean to approach God in pride and arrogancy. Better yet... Ask God to examine you as the psalmist when he said, Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. In Psalm 26 and verse number 2. So whether David again is talking about the evildoers or he's reflecting upon himself when he approaches the presence of God in prayer. Uh, I, I, I say again, we should not approach God in pride or arrogance. Amen. We do come boldly before the throne of grace, but, but that boldness is not pride. That boldness is not arrogance. What the writer in he, to the Hebrews is telling us 
it is that we we don't have to come uh, in in shame to the throne of grace. We don't have to approach the presence of God with hesitancy, you know, as, as if we we kind of wonder, you know, is God going to accept me in, into His presence? We we should know that that God will accept us into His presence, and we come boldly, but we come with humility, both searching or examining ourselves. And asking God to examine us. Amen? I believe there's a way to approach God. So in this part of his prayer, David recites truths to God about his own, about God's own character, evidenced by the things that are unacceptable to him. And in fact, God already knows these truths about Himself. God already knows that uh, that wickedness does not please Him. God knows that evil doesn't dwell with Him and that those who boast do not stand before Him. God knows that, that He hates all who work iniquity and, and He knows Himself that He will destroy liars. And he knows himself that he hates those who shed blood and, and deceive others. But yet we find David in this prayer telling God uh, that, uh, of things that uh, is unacceptable to him. Uh, and, and again, God already knows these truths about himself. He, he knows that he is pleased with righteousness. That only the clean and holy can dwell in His presence. And that those who are humble and rely on Him will stand before Him. And, and, and that He loves those who do right and speak what is true. And He loves others and, and, and love others and help them to flourish in what is true. So you may ask, of what benefit is it to tell God things about His character that He already knows? Have you ever done that? You're showing him that you know. That, that you know about his character. But have you, have you ever done that in prayer? Have you ever spoken of God's own character to God in prayer before? Well, that, that was a question. First, let me uh, say that there is nothing that you could tell God about anything that He doesn't already know. Because He is omniscient. He, he already knows. So if God already knows, then God already knows His character. Then why tell Him about His character, about His own character? I mean, you, you could take this to, to, to almost no end if you want to look at it from the fact that God is omniscient. If He already knows everything, 
then why do you pray? Why do you tell him your needs? He already knows them. In fact, the Bible is very emphatic. When, when, when it tells us that he knows your needs before you even ask. So if he is om, omniscient and he already knows, why tell him? He already knows. You know, it's like, um, you know, sometimes, you know, it's like, like a man said one time. It's not often that I drive my wife's car, but when I do, I have to put gas in it. And sometimes I drive my wife's car and, and I, I see that little warning there that, you know, says your, your oil life is below 20%. You know, and I, and I tell my wife, you need to get the oil changed. And she says, I already know. I've seen the thing. And, here, and here's what she says. I still got time. When that thing tells me oil change is required, then. And so you, you, tell, you tell God of... of you know, things that he, he already knows. And, and to what end? To what purpose? To what degree? Why? You know, if God knows I'm sick in my body and he knows everything, then why go and tell him, God, I'm sick and I need a touch from you? Or, or if he knows about all the situations of life, and you know, then why tell him our problems and our circumstances and, and, and say, God, now here's, here's what's going on. He already knows it, so... So why tell him? So he's, al- he's already omniscient. But there's nothing that we can tell God, number one. And then secondly, the fact that David prays through all of this means that as he prays, he rehearses God's own character. Right? And that, that, that does something. There's a reason for that. You know, and, and he, he is rehearsing God's own character. When, when he tells God, you're a God who, who hates, you're not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. And, and you're not a God that evil is going to dwell with you and the boastful is not going to stand in your sight. And you hate all workers of iniquity and you're going to destroy those who lie and you hate those who are bloodthirsty and, and deceitful men. David, David is, is rehearsing this, not just to God, but to himself. That, that word rehearse, you know, according to Webster, is to say again. It's to repeat something. It's to recite something aloud. In a formal manner. It, it is to relate. So, so David in his prayer. It is taking the character of God. That he already knows. And he's saying it again. And he says it again. And he repeats it. And he recites it. And so, and so he rehearses this. 
And, and again, it's going, to, it, it's going to do something to the individual. These statements that God hates wickedness praise Him because they announce the righteous character of God. So when David tells God, you're a God that hates wickedness, David is announcing the righteous character of God. In essence, he's saying, God, you're a righteous God. You are a, a righteous God. So, so they are announcing, I'm saying it. I'm announcing the righteousness of God. I'm announcing the fact that God has such character that the wicked is not going to stand in His presence and, and, and He's going to destroy all liars and, 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 he, and he abhors the, the bloodthirsty and the deceitful. It, it is announcing the character of God, but what, does it, what good does it do to announce something that God already knows about Himself? Well, I can think of two things. Number one, if there's anybody in the vicinity of David when he prays this prayer and hears him announcing the character of God, then that is a form of information to those who, are, who would hear him pray. God, you're a righteous God. God, you're a, you're a just God. God, you're an everlasting God. You're an omnipotent God. And you say, well, well what good does that do? It, it's informing. It's informing. Those around that when you, when you pray that God, God has a righteous character. And you, you never know but what somebody around you could be in a situation of life that they kind of wonder about the character of God. So here you're announcing and, and you, are, you are stating that God it, it is a righteous God. You know, I heard the story years ago of... So of, of somebody who came to the Lord and and uh, uh, in repentance and baptism and received the the baptism of, of the Holy Ghost, not because somebody witnessed to them, but because they heard a neighbor that lived next door to them sitting out on their balcony in, in the back, on, on the back of the house, in the back porch, sitting out on the balcony, singing the song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. And the next door neighbor heard that. 
and came into relationship with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Ghost because they heard somebody announcing the amazing grace of God that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. And, and, and they, maybe the person who was singing the song had no idea that the neighbor across the way was listening. But, but that was a form of announcement to them that, hey, there's a God that can save you. There's a God who can open your, your, your spiritual eyes that are blinded. There, there's a God that can set you free. So when David prays and said, God, you are a righteous God. He's announcing the fact that God is of such character that he's a holy God. And wickedness is not going to stand in his presence. And those around, when they hear David announcing and, and reciting that, they can, under, they can understand if I'm wicked, I'm not going to stand in the presence of God. When David said, God, you're a God that's going to destroy all liars, and they, those, that, those that are around can begin to think, well, if, if I'm lying or if I've got a habit of lying, I'm going to be destroyed by God. It, 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 it serves a twofold purpose. It, it announces the righteous character of God. But at the same time, these statements reassure David of the goodness and faithfulness of God. So it serves two purposes. When he's telling God of his own righteous character, it serves two purposes. It announces to those who are in hearing distance of the character of God, but it also reassures the prayer of the righteous character of God that, that I am going to in prayer. Amen? It, it's good for you to be reassured of the character of God when you approach Him in prayer. You need to be reassured that God it is a good God. That God is a righteous God. That God is a faithful God. Amen. You, you know, I, you, you say, well, I, I, well you know, by, by indication... Or by a by lack of a of a firm uh, 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 of affirming, you know, you you said that you don't tell God about His character in prayer. But I tell Him, God, you're a faithful God, and I thank you for your faithfulness. I tell Him, God, you're a loving God. And I thank you because you love somebody like me. God, you're a healing God. You are a delivering God. You're a saving God. Because you had the ability to save me. So it's good for you to be reassured of the character of God when you approach Him in prayer. If you need healing, 
be assured that God is gracious to heal. Amen? And like we stated last time, you know, I, I ask you, do you ever pray the Word? Well, I had some kind of looked at me like, what are you talking about praying the Word? You know, it, it's, it's good. It helps you. It can reassure you to pray the promises of the Word of God. How many of you need healing before in, in your physical body? Every one of us have. Amen. God told His, His children in Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 26 and, and said, If you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments, and keep all His statutes, then I will put none of these diseases upon you, which I have brought upon the Egyptians. For I am the Lord that healeth you. I'm the God that heals you. Amen. That word... In that context, that word heal or, or healeth, the, the sense of that word is that God is a physician. That's, that's the sense of the root word of, of healeth. When, when I looked at this yesterday, and, and I looked at this scripture and and I thought, well, I, I want to see what that word heals or healeth, really what all of the implications of that. So, so what I'm going to do, I want to look up the root word there and see where the word actually comes from. And it, it, has, it has different meanings. But, but the, again, the sense of that word, because th this same word in different contexts it is not talking about, you know, God being the physician, but it's talking about what God does to heal. Now, you need to understand too that this word heals is a verb. Grammatically, it's a verb, and that means it's something that God does. It's action that's taken by God. When He heals you, He does something. And so, so heal, to heal, is to cause or promote restoration of health or a right state after being sick, diseased, injured, or in a bad state. Now, you've all been sick. Maybe you've been diseased. All of you have been injured. But have you ever been in a bad state? And I'm not talking about Mississippi or, or Georgia or worst of all, Tennessee. I'm not talking about a bad state, but I'm talking about a state of being. You have been in a bad state and you needed the healing of God. Amen. When I pray, God, I, I, I need a healing. You are the healer. I'm doing two things. I am proclaiming that God is a healer. I'm announcing, but at the same time, I'm reassuring myself God is a healer. 
And I may even recite to God the word that he inspired. Your word said, you said, you're the God that heals me. Not from the standpoint of accusing God and saying, okay now Lord, you know your word said, so you're bound to your word. I'm, yeah, I'm not, not this name it, claim it garbage that some of these people say, well, whatever you say, you know God's bound by what you say. God's not bound to what you say. God's bound to His own word. Amen. Not your word. And so it, it's, it's to heal, yes. It's a known fact that the more we memorize something, the harder it is to forget. Sure it is. So David actually repeating all that and memorizing it to himself. Sure. Because it, it comes back to memory. It comes back to memory. And when, when that word is, is memorized, we talked about it last time, last week. We talked about David. Um, uh, he, he, was, he was a guy that meditated on the law, delighted in the law, meditated on that law day and night. David knew it. David knew the law. And so when, when you have, have scriptures in your mind that you're the God that heals or the God that heals me. And another definition is healed, past tense. That is to be cured or to heal from the standpoint of to attend to healing. It also means to recover. It, it also means being fresh. That is pertaining to no longer being salty or poisonous. And so potable and have acceptable pleasant taste when it talks about the healing of the waters. And so when you go to God in, in prayer and you need to be reassured if you need healing. You need to be reassured that God is gracious to heal. It also goes further and talks about to be repaired. Have you ever had to be repaired? God is the God that repairs you. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so that uh, again, the sense of this Hebrew word assures you that God is a physician. Now, the process that I just went through, talking about healing, and the scripture that talks about God being a healer, this same process can be used for whatever you need from God because He is the supplier of every need. Amen. So I just use healing as an example because it, it seems that that's, that, that that's what we think we need from God the most. You know, I, I can do without food a little bit. I can't do without healing. You know, because I, I can't have any pain in this body now. I just... You know, just can't can't have have pain now. You know, and I need I need that healing. But the process can be applied to to any and most every situation of life. Amen. Amen. So while some may think 
announcing the character of God in prayer to be silly, immature, and unnecessary. If that is the case for prayer, then the same holds true for announcing the character of God in songs of worship. Did you hear me? Some may think announcing the character of God in prayer to be silly, immature, and even unnecessary. Again, if that is the case for prayer, then the same holds true for announcing the character of God in songs of worship. While when I ask, have you ever announced or prayed to God His own character? Nobody said, I do that. It's almost like, what for? God already knows. But we sing songs of worship about the goodness of God. Do you think God doesn't already know of His own goodness when we sing, the Lord is good. He's really been good. He's been so good to me. I just can't let Him down. The Lord could be sitting up there according to some people's theology saying, I already know that. I already know it. Why are you telling me that? I already know that. Why are you telling me? But I'll tell you why we sing it. The same reason you should pray it. Because it announces and it also reassures you. We, we sing about the power of the blood. Oh, there is power. There's power. The Lord saying, I know that. I already know that. I know there's power in, in my blood that I shed on Calvary. I know that. Why are you singing that to me? Same reason that when you pray, you, you, you say, God, your blood was shed for my salvation. God says, I already know that. But yet we don't have a problem singing about the power of the blood. Because it announces and it reassures. Amen. And so what David is doing. Now in, in the next paragraph, he changes. But what he's doing in this paragraph is praying to God, God's own aspects of God's own character. And again, the reason behind it is because it announces and it reassures. It announces and it reassures. No different, again, from, from us singing songs of praise and worship. What does it do? It announces and it reassures. Amen. Amen. In fact, 
when when you sing, I'm, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to follow this rabbit trail very far. But there's all kinds of scriptures in Bible in the Bible about singing, not just about singing, but how to sing. In fact. Did you know that singing is in, in Scripture is not a suggestion? Singing is a command. Sing unto the Lord a new song. That's not a suggestion. God's people are commanded to sing. And so sometimes when I'm leading worship and I'll be silent for a stanza, I'm just trying to listen and see who's being obedient to the Word or who's being disobedient to the Word. Because singing is a command, not a suggestion. But there is Scripture that says, in one, in one place, you, you sing songs to one another. What does that mean? What are you doing when, when you do that? When you're in corporate worship, if you sing songs to one songs and songs to one another, what, what are you doing? You're not standing there with your eyes closed, rocking back and forth. You know, singing. I just, you know, I'm just singing to the Lord. Well, you know, sometimes you've got to announce. And when you start singing things like the power in the blood, and you're looking. At people singing. What are you doing? You're announcing and reassuring. So that if there's somebody in the house. That doesn't know about the power of the blood of Jesus. And they see you and looking at them singing. There's power in the blood. It's announcing to them. So there's a whole lot more to this thing. Than coming to church and you know. Banging on a piano. You know, and well, I'll sing if I feel like it tonight. And if I don't feel like singing, bless God, I just won't sing. No, you've been commanded to sing. And, and, there's, and there's more to it than, than sometimes what we put into it. And I'm telling you, there's more to prayer than what we put into it sometimes as well. Amen. Amen. There's things you need to announce in prayer. And that announcing also reassures you that the God that I am addressing is the God that has the power and the ability to touch me and to heal me, to deliver me, to move in my circumstance. To work whatever needs to be worked out in, in my life that I do not have the, the ability to, to work out. So we sing of His grace. We sing of His love and, and mercy. And, and we think nothing of it. Nor should, nor, nor should we for we're announcing the characteristic of God as well as reassuring ourselves that God is good and he will keep his word. Amen. 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 Now, to some in this world,
they, they would tell you that all you're trying to do, you know, with all of that is just trying to psych yourself out. You know, just kind of get yourself worked up in, into some kind of, of emotion. I understand. I understand that emotion it is part of worship. Emotion is part of praying. But here's the problem. For a whole bunch of years, we have placed too big of a priority on emotion. There, there are times that I pray that I don't feel the shattering touch of the Holy Ghost. And when I pray, and, I, and if I pray, if I am praying the Word, or if I'm praying a psalm, I pray, I'm praying that due to the fact that I know that it's the Word of God and it's true. Right. Not because I feel some earth, earthquake in my, in my spirit or in my mind. Sometimes I pray because of the fact of what I know in the Word of God and not because of some emotional height or emotional experience. The same holds true with, with anything that we do to worship. There's times I don't, physically I don't feel like worshiping, so I don't wor- I'm not worshiping because, because I feel, you know, the, you know, we sing that song, I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the hope. Well, the fact of the matter is, I don't, I don't always feel the, 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 the joy of the Holy Ghost falling on me when I worship. So what do you do then? Not worship. Some don't worship because they don't feel this thing. But see, I, I don't live for God. I don't... If God tarries and gives me another day, I'm not going to get up in the morning, you know, and say, well, God, I'm going to live for you today because I feel the joy of the Lord in in my heart. No, I may not. At 5 o'clock in the morning, I may not feel the joy of anything. It could be, Lord, you got to help me today because I sure am feeling tired. And I, and I need your strength, but I'm not going to live for you today because of the joy that I'm feeling in my soul. But I'm going to live for you due to the fact that I know that you redeemed me. Right. Amen? Amen. Does this make any kind of sense this evening? Amen. So when, when, when you pray, it's good sometimes to announce the character of God. The goodness of God. Because in that announcing, you can be reassured yourself that God is able to do whatever you need to have done in your life, your body, your spirit, and your mind. Amen? Amen. I don't know that I've ever prayed and announced 
and prayer and, and thought. Well, why am I saying this? God already knows that. God, God knows Himself more than I know about Him. In fact, God knows more about me than I know, so why tell Him anything? He, he already knows. But see, sometimes I need to be reassured. Sometimes I've been in a struggle. Sometimes my mind has been bombarded by the enemy that has affected my spirit. I need to be reassured that God is, is still God. And that God is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen.